then I watched a video, like a 20 minute video, and I closed it and I looked at the clock, and it's like 102, and I'm like, oh, I got another hour. Sweet. <laughs> it's like a movie. <laughs> Did that hour really happen at all? At first, I was extremely confused. <laughs> Extremely because <laughs> I did not realize it was daylight. You thought series. you were in a movie. I there's I didn't know there's what a, to there's a video on YouTube, it's it's pretty short and it's really dumb, uh, of this guy who has his camera up to like his microwave and it goes it it's like one fifty nine and then it switch so it goes to the next minute and then it but it goes back to one o'clock. And he and he's like, We travel the time he like starts screaming. <laughs> And his wife's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, honey, we traveled in time. <laughs> it was awesome. It's, it's so good. Okay, I think we can get started on the podcast here. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Turbo Button Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, but it's for a good reason. We got a guest on today. And uh, that guest is the one, the only, Mr. Pelopo, also Tyler Lytle. How's, how's it going? Hello, hello, hello. It's going, it's going fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, surge in viewership. Uh, Skyrim Nintendo Switch is coming out very soon, so uh, feel free to plug your guide at the end of the <laughs> oh, podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. We'll leave. I'll leave a little. You should leave a link in the description. I'll leave. I'll leave a link for it to your guide. All twenty. All twenty of our audience can go take yeah. a look at that. You can get at least another twenty. And I'm also, of course, joined by the one and only Christopher Daly on Hello, Hello. <laughs> and uh, I guess we should start. We should start with what we've been playing. Uh, can we start with collectively what we've all been playing recently, uh, just so that things are easier and we can get a little roundtable discussion of our thoughts of this game? Sound good? Yeah. I Sound love good? Assassin's Creed Origins. We've all been so, we've all been it, playing. That's all exactly, I've been doing. I know, it's for so the past good. Week. <laughs> It oh is God. so good, man. I love 30 minutes of walking, 30 minutes of cutscene, 30 minutes of walking, 30 minutes of cutscene, 30 minutes of... Uh, you get the <laughs> Did you buy the $800 I version? Did. I did. Oh, oh, you bet I did. I'm such a big assassin. I got the statue yeah. right next to my, right next to my desk. I'm holding it right man. now. <laughs> you can hold it? Mine is like seven feet oh, tall. Oh, I'm holding it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What was up? Was a real talk. There was this collector's edition that included that was like oh, like fifteen thousand dollars, and it included a trip or something to like this cabin yeah. or something. I don't. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? I think that's what I was trying to think of actually with the seven foot tall statue. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, let's start with what we've been playing, uh, like legitimately. <laughs> legitimately. Um, I haven't played Assassin's Creed after the second one. Uh, so all of us have been playing Destiny 2. The PC release came out uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and uh, I guess we can have a little roundtable of what our thoughts are have been for it. Um, let's start with Chris. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts of Destiny 2, having not played the first Destiny? Yeah, at all? I didn't. I didn't play the first Destiny. I saw a couple of my roommates in college uh, play play Destiny on their consoles on their PS4s when that was a thing. Um, didn't really get into it because partly because I didn't have a PS4 and partly because it looked pretty grindy, um, and pretty samey. And then it, it, well, it just so happened that I made a <laughs> deal with, uh, partly both of, both of you guys, uh, my co-hosts and my guests at the, in the moment, and partly with a couple of other of our friends, uh, 
saying that if someone bought me Destiny 2, I would play with you guys, not expecting <laughs> that someone would actually go and buy me Destiny 2. <laughs> I was also surprised. Yeah. I felt bad for that, because I would have chipped in for that, and Cold was just like, oh, I'll just buy Destiny 2. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, my uh, my friend, our, our all of our friend, Cole, uh, bought it for me, and I've been pretty much just playing that ever since. It's The thing is, I didn't care about the story, so I literally skipped every single cutscene. Uh, Tyler, I, the Tyler at one point was like, "So have you fought? What's the what's the name of the like big bad guy? Yeah, Gaul. have you fought Gaul yet?" And I'm like, "Who's Gaul? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know who this person is." Um, but the it, it's it's weird because uh, with MMOs and uh, and and that kind of thing. Um, you're always thinking about what the next step is, like where where you want to go mm-hmm. uh, with your character, and I think that's where I'm caught. Um, is that there are still a couple of steps that I like would would like my character to to achieve before I step back and you know continue pl- going on with my life. Um, it's the classic. MMO yeah, exactly, addiction. exactly. Um, <laughs> and generally, the game I feel like it's it's a fun shooter. Um, it's not a very good MMO. Um, I, I do like the environments. I think they're really cool. I think it's, it's weird because, uh, uh, of course I'm going to compare something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to compare this to WoW, but like in World of Warcraft, there are these huge, it's, it's a, it's an open world for all intents and purposes. It's an open world. Um, yes. and Destiny 2 is not an open world. It's a bunch of. It's a bunch of different planets that essentially are large areas connected by hallways, um, and it's it's not an open world in the sense in a in a WoW sense or even in a Assassin's Creed Origins sense. Um, but so so I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of that. I would I would have liked there to be you know stuff uh, you know uh, a a bigger a bigger you know, experience rather than a con- rather than a, a highly detailed confined one, especially in this case, um, because I think it works. I think that kind of thing works better for an MMO than uh, than than the experience they have with Destiny. But it's weird because it's not just an MMO RPG; it's an MMO first-person shooter. So you're yeah, there. There are some gives and takes when you create something like that but uh overall unofficial review maybe like uh seven out of ten maybe six and a half if i were feeling like i am now and burnt out burnt out on uh on multiplayer but yeah um what about your thoughts uh tyler regarding destiny 2 well let me tell you as a as a long time World of Warcraft player. I've been playing that game for over ten years, um, and I'm, I'm I've I've also played a lot of other kind of fantasy MMORPGs. Um, so coming from that and coming to Destiny Two, which is really my first first-person shooter MMO, um, it's it's very different. Um, like Chris said earlier, um, the world just feels tiny to me. And that's the opposite of what I'm used to feeling in an MMO. You know, I'm used to having all these options to go wherever I please, but like Chris said earlier, I feel like these worlds are basically just like little levels. And and it's not 
necessarily an open world so much as is just um like smaller levels that you can jump to basically yeah. um I, the the combat feels great, honestly. If I have to be honest, that I love the combat in it. What really what really brings me to that ga- brings me back to that game right now is the PvP. That's really what entices me about that game. I, I have a lot of fun. It has a great Halo feel to it, but I think it goes even further than that and and kind of uh, makes it even better with with the abilities of all the different subclasses and all the different guns that you can collect and and just all the different builds that you can kind of make. Um, and so there, there. It definitely has a lot going for it. But as in, as a veteran, I say a veteran MMO player. Um, I would probably consider myself a veteran MMO player. It doesn't feel like an MMO to me at yeah. all. And and that's kind of where it's lacking for me personally. And and I know that's a lot of what Chris said, but we agree on a lot of things. So, um, but like I said, the the PvP is really what's bringing me back to it right now. And um, Overall, I, I am enjoying it a lot right now. It's the game I'm playing the most. It's made me put down PUBG for a little bit. I haven't played that game maybe a week. Um, but uh, I think that's good because then I'll, I'm just going to get back into PUBG really hard <laughs> eventually <laughs> once I get burnt out on Destiny. Um, that being said, though, it, it's kind of worrying to me that... Um, I think Chris told me before they already have plans to make two more Destiny games. One more, one more, one more Destiny game. When for me, like, uh, I come from MMOs that just build on top of one game, so you can access all the content that you've bought through the same game, and you don't have to jump games and have Correct. different characters. And and to me, that seems like a very very detrimental thing about the game. Very. That's that's one of the huge turnoffs for me, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why WoW is even still as popular as it is, is just because all the things that you can still do, and like I can't do anything in Destiny One. I never I've never played Destiny One, and I understand how much of a how much work it would be for them to kind of pull that into Destiny Two, especially considering it was a PS4 exclusive, I believe. Um, but that being said, it's it's just uh, not what I not necessarily what I expected. Overall, though, if if I had to give it a score like Chris did, I I would probably say about a six. Yeah, I think I I'm in agreement for most of what you both of you have said. So I'm not really gonna hop onto the bandwagon of uh, just repeating and parroting what you guys have said. But something that something that has always bothered me about Destiny. Or more about Bungie and Destiny is I feel like they're not really being honest with themselves when they keep saying like, oh, it's an MMO, guys. It's an MMO. Play with your friend. Because like to me, this is more like a um, it almost plays more like an action RPG or like a looter like Borderlands more than a right. MMO. And the areas are like not that big enough to for it to be an MMO. I I don't know if this is like the root of why Reddit is really upset a lot of times about uh, Destiny, but I feel like if they basically just kind of embraced what it is and really go hard on like being like, this is kind of like Borderlands with some MMO light mechanics in it or some MMO like similar similar things and stuff like that, then I think I would be more happy with it, I guess. 
but they keep insisting that it's an MMO all the time and stuff. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's, uh, people, this game is pretty controversial in that respect, I think, for that reason. I still really enjoyed the gunplay in that. The gunplay is very solid. Of course, it's by Bungie, Halo creators, so the combat will feel pretty solid. Um, I haven't, I'm looking forward to doing the raids, though. I haven't done any of them before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do want to try the Nightfall. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I I honestly really haven't played anything other than that. But I think... Um, I'm pretty sure Chris has played a few other things. What other things have you played, Chris? Yeah, I uh, got my hands on Mario Odyssey. And unfortunately, I've whenever I like have the really hard hankering to play Mario Odyssey, like my TV's being used and I don't want to play it, like I don't want to play it on my Switch, like on the little... On the little uh, screen, I don't think that would like do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's the same thing that I the same way I played Zelda. Like I, I really did not like playing it on the little screen. I did, but I didn't. I tried not to play it on the little screen as much as possible. But um, so so I've been playing like Destiny instead. Like whenever, <laughs> whenever I've been getting the uh, <laughs> like, whenever the TV is being used. But, um. Of what I've played so far, I, it, I, it hasn't won me over completely yet. What's really interesting to me about Mario Odyssey is that, um, in most 3D Mario games, or I think, almost almost every, if not all, 3D Mario games so far, um, what they've what they do with a map is they they give you a map like Mario 64, for example. You jump into a painting, and then there are multiple challenges that you can. Uh, choose between and you have to select that challenge before you uh, actually enter into the map as Mario and then you know perform uh, the challenge. In Mario Odyssey what they did is they just dropped you into a actually fairly large uh, just level um, and let you do the challenges let you discover the challenges for yourself. There's a storyline like uh, the next big, uh, the um, the next big, it, uh, they're not Lunas in this game like they are in Mario Galaxy, but there are they're moon shaped, uh, they're crescent moon shaped uh, uh, collectibles. Again, um, they'll they'll show you the location of the next uh, one that you have to have to get in order to progress in the story, but on the way there, you can get. Uh, you can get the little collectibles from doing anything from like breaking a barrel to defeat like jumping on a certain enemy to like performing a whole different side challenge in a building that you didn't even have to go into and things like that um so and you can tell that they put they 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 pulled a lot of what they learned from uh breath of the wild um and that open world uh level design they put they you can really tell they they pulled a lot of what lessons that they learned and put that into Mario uh, Odyssey because these these levels are huge um, and they are filled with just interesting stuff. You even have something it's like uh, they're not towers that you can look down um, like in Mario, but uh, it's it's. They're these robots that basically go up into the air, and uh, you can sort of look 360 degrees around you and zoom in and out. So 
it's they they sort of did the same thing they sort of took a lot of cues from from Zelda but yeah you know it it's okay and then ultimately I'm about three or four worlds into it um it, I, I don't know it so far for me the world's have been pretty short um they're like the last world that i was in had something like 70 different little collectible things that you could go collect i ended up getting i think it was like 14 or something like that and then i was able to move on to the next world um so and and going through the flow of that of the game like so quickly has so far been a little bit off-putting. I'm not sure how I feel about that in comparison to um, the the more like enter this area and then select this challenge and then go do that challenge kind of gameplay loop from the old Mario games. But uh, I'm still enjoying it. I, I would still look back and say I'm enjoying it. I'm still looking forward to finishing the game because I heard that uh, it's it's an incredible ending to to the game. So, yeah. No, those are that's pretty much that's pretty much what I have to say. Nice, um, Tyler. Did you play anything else besides Destiny recently? Uh, I mean, I've, I've played a game of PUBG, but like not not really. I've been I haven't been playing too much. Did, yeah. did you guys talk about Cuphead on the last ep- on the last podcast? Um, I I really don't remember if we talked about. Yeah, that we did. I think we did, we did though. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we okay. did. But um, okay, I didn't play anything either, uh, <laughs> other than Destiny Two. So uh, let's uh, hop into the news. Um, so uh, this is near and dear to my heart. Visceral Studios has been EA'd Ooh. by getting killed. Ooh. Wow, <laughs> EA. EA is notorious for killing developers. I don't they've know. Been, they've been EA eliminated. Yeah, they have been EA'd. Yeah. So Visceral got shut down by EA. They were working on a Star Wars single-player game, and it's a multiplayer game now with uh, microtransactions and games as a service, all the all the industry buzzwords from EA, so specifically uh, from EA. Maybe. Maybe. That's, or maybe, that's not exactly... Though that's the that's the thing that people have assumed from their official statement, but we don't know that for sure yet. We don't. Didn't we get any gameplay of that Star Wars game? That yeah, we, were we got a. I think it was something like a tech demo or something like that. They showed this beautiful world and this guy walking through it for like maybe twenty seconds. Yeah, but yeah, um, Visceral, well known for their Dead Space series. I think they made a Dante's Inferno game also. That was also pretty cool. Is that um, the one where Satan has but, a huge, like, dick? I believe okay, so. Oh, okay, yeah, that's the one, alright. <laughs> I, I remember, like, the Lust battle had, like, tons of, like, babies and, like, yes, boobs yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. and stuff like that and stuff. So, Visceral Studios originally they wanted to make like really gory, really grotesque games and stuff like that. So like they kicked off with like Dead Space and then they had Dante's Inferno and then Dead Space Two. Um, and then EA, you know, they they did their thing. You know, they were a niche company. Then they're like, hey, uh, you got to put a multiplayer system in Dead Space Two, and then it kind of all culminated in Dead Space Three, 
where it completely lost its identity as a horror game and just became an action game mm -hmm. uh, with microtransactions and uh, all that good stuff. Um, too bad. And then after that didn't do well, they just made visceral games into a battlefield mill. They made them create a battlefield hardline, which I guess didn't do very well. And uh, then they just took it out back and killed it. Uh, so this is not the only company they've done this to. They've done this with so many other companies. For me, uh, a company that they did this to that still hurts me to this day is Maxis. You know, the, mm -hmm. uh, the company that made SimCity, The Sims. Obviously, they kept The Sims IP, but... They tried making a SimCity game with. They would try to make a SimCity game, but they're like, "Oh, you gotta have always online DRM and stuff like that." And it it crashed and burned so hard. It was really awful, um, and it was like, it's just so. I I just don't I don't get why EA likes doing that, um, but uh. <sighs> Any thoughts on this, Chris? Pretty like, sad. Um, I have I have a few thoughts. Should should the official statement be read for like for the sake of the podcast? And yeah, maybe we should clarity. Yeah. For sake I, of clarity, I have yeah, it pulled up here. If you want me to read it, maybe the guest should read. It. I don't care, honest. I got it okay, already. Yeah. Too. Would you like to read it, Tyler? We only want to read it. I I would be okay, happy to read it. <clears throat> While Visceral Studio has been developing an action-adventure title set in the Star Wars universe, in its current form it was shaping up to be a story-based linear adventure game. Throughout the development process we have been testing the game concept with players, listening to the feedback about what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come, we need to pivot the design. We will maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe, and focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Importantly, we are shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency, leaning into the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reimagining central elements of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. Nice. I loved how it went from, <laughs> from Decker Kane to British to Many ships. I was not expecting the X. I literally had to put my mouth, my face, my hand over my mouth to stop myself from laughing. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, I, well, first off, has anyone else played Dead Space here besides I've me? I've played Dead Space 2. I played about half of it La well, last year, actually, last Halloween. I've so not. Dead Space is actually the first one was a very horrifying game. It scared me so much uh, when I played it through the first time. And um, it had this really cool idea where it's like, you know, in horror games, usually if you get a headshot, that's that's the dunzo, you know. In this game, it's called strategic dismemberment is the core mechanic, which is like you have to cut the limbs off of <laughs> your enemies in order to kill them. Mm -hmm. So you would have to like go through one by one and use your mining tools to cut uh, all the limbs off of the necromorphs, as they were called. Um, uh, that didn't really have anything to do with what the statement said. But <laughs> I was just asking because I really enjoyed that game and seeing that they're dead, you know, makes me very, very Space. upset. <laughs> dead space yeah <laughs> so um 
Yeah, so now that the the statement's read, Chris, did you you had some thoughts that you wanted yeah, to share? Yeah, so with us. okay, well, the the thing about this special Star Wars game was that it not only was it being made by Visceral, it was being written by Amy Hennig, who was who was was the lead writer and I think the creator of the Uncharted series. Um she left mm. about halfway through the development of Uncharted 4 to work on this project. And so people were expecting a Uncharted-style single-player game. Um, and and when people, when people read this statement that was masterfully read by Tyler, <laughs> um, we, we, <sighs> people expect like a uh people expect an mmo people expect this this grand you know multiplayer kind of thing or competitive with loot boxes and things like that but that's that may end up being what happening and i wouldn't doubt if that's that ends up being what happening ends up being what's happening but it could it could just be like more of a more rather than a linear shooter kind of game it could be more of i hate bringing up assassin's creed over and over again but assassin's creed or something like horizon zero dawn or you know batman or a middle earth shadow of mordor or something like that like i think i think that would check the boxes for quote you know an experience players want to come back to or or you know things like that so, I you know that's that's just that's just what it is, as as far yeah. as as far as I, as far as I'm concerned. But as far as shutting down an entire, because the thing is when you when you shut down an entire development studio, you are scrapping everything, like, and that's that's a huge move. So, who who knows if, you know, what this game is going to be, if if we ever, you know, find out what it was going to be, and who knows, you know, what it's going to be now that Visceral is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to read the... Uh the statement that they provided or what was the other article that we have about like dead to dead space Two not being commercially successful, even though they sold like, um, 4 million copies of it. Or was that just, um, was that more of a spotlight on like EA and their expectations of like what the games, like what they wanted from well, it or something like so that? So the, the interesting thing is that, and this does not come from EA. This comes from, uh, visceral is that when, when it comes to, Dead Space 2 and other games like that, they have to... It's it's not just the marketing budget. Like, like when you say this game was made on this budget, and then this happened a lot with Square Enix 2, where they were like, the newest Tomb Raider game didn't sell as... It sold 2 million copies and didn't sell as well. Or like the new Hitman game sold a million copies and didn't meet sales expectations. It's like, to us, it's like, 
that doesn't make sense at all. Like, how can something sell a million copies at $60, you know, a pop and not make money for them? And this, it, this second article and, and the third article, um, is about, it's, it's, it just, it's a, it's pointing out not from EA, but from visceral people, the people within visceral itself that money is not just being given to the developer and that's not the only thing that has to be covered there's another tens of millions of dollars that come from that go to marketing and then people, companies like games uh GameStop take a significant portion of retail uh retail uh profit from from selling the from yeah from selling the game physically and so in the end the developer do, or rather the publisher doesn't get as much money as they think they're getting despite a popular game like Dead Space 2 selling a gargantuan amount of money and it may end up still being a net loss to be you know to begin with so do you think no, no go no Sorry. go there. So do you think that comes down to they need to manage their expectations better or they just they overspent on marketing and, and overspent on creating this game? Because, I mean, I, I don't know I don't know how much an average AAA title sells. I don't know how many copies an average AAA title sells, but four million seems like a good amount. So I think if you couldn't make money back after four million copies being sold, then maybe it's just not being run too well. I, I, I don't know enough really to be talking about that like this, but that's just my initial kind of thoughts mm -hmm. on the matter. That's exactly the conversation that's going on right now in a lot of, like, you know, dumb people like us on their stupid podcasts, you know. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, in a lot of gaming circles, it's it people are still scratching their heads. The people like EA and Activision are like, well, we, they're, the, the, big, the excuse from the big publishers are you know the audience expects these great triple a you know titles we need to spend a certain amount of money in order to deliver that you know thing and if in the end despite people really loving it it still may not be profitable for us despite us trying to meet their expectations so so it's it, it right the 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 blame sort of ends up you know being circular right I mean, it's like well, we bought we bought this game. We really love it. Why don't you make us, you know, make more of games like this? And then, you know, the publisher comes back saying, "Well, you want more games like this, but it's not making us any money." You know, so it's it's that's that's exactly the conversation that's going on right now. And who knows? Yeah, they need to just figure out a way to deliver yeah. those games without without spending as hey, much money. Probably. And who knows? Who knows what the what the solution is? I mean, and people people have. There have been attempts at a solution, like recently, uh, the big Shadow of Mo Shadow of War, you know, debacle mm. was put, you know, microtransactions into your single-player game, and you know, pe yeah. and people were, you know, in a in a tizzy about that. So, do you can you see a solution to this to the uh, to the cycle of blame, basically, when it comes to the uh, the oh, okay. the publishers, you know, not being able to fund a game that has uh, has this gargantuan budget or not being able to make profit on this game that has a gargantuan budget. 
I mean, part of me believes that um, the ultimate responsibility, if you really do not appreciate the practices of a company, is to not buy their product. I mean, the customers vote with their dollar, literally. And if people just stop buying... Like, if you amass together a bunch of people to not buy the game, you can do a huge chunk of, like, like profit getting cut from that. Um, I'm not saying gamers are to blame, like, if... This would never get taken out of context because the podcast isn't that big right now. But if, I could totally imagine being like me saying like something along these lines. It's like we're blaming the gamers. I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying that people really need to understand that uh, their their consumers are like more powerful than they realize. You know, C- companies don't real uh, to a certain extent they do answer to their shareholders, but they really need to answer to us first. So like if you pay them money for the product you're basically telling them hey i approve of of everything that you did to make this game or something like that so personally i think the best way to solve this issue is if you if you don't like what a company's doing then uh don't buy the product uh, or try your best to avoid buying the product um but i also would also recommend to not pirate them because uh you're, you're just being a dick at that point so uh don't do that either um but uh that's kind of what i would think per se generally when it comes to like maybe you, EA games yeah about that um but uh tyler what are your thoughts on that that subject um i mean i think i have a much more cynical approach than you zach and um uh and in my mind um, obviously these businesses, their main objective is to make money. That is what they're here for. They're, they're here to make money. And if they're doing something to please the fans, but they're not making money doing it, then, then the conversation happens where, is this worth this fan base? Is it worth their money, basically? To, to continue making this product that isn't making us money, but is possibly bringing us more fans that are also possibly... You see, it, it's it's interest, it's it's a lot different in, in terms of a video game company. Um, because in terms of a normal business, it's like, okay, well, I'm selling this product that's that's not really making me money, but it's bringing customers in to buy it, and they're also picking up other stuff off the shelves, which is making me money. So it's worth to keep that on the shelf, even though I might be losing a little bit of money from it, because they're buying all this other stuff and making me even more money. But when it comes to video game companies, it doesn't necessarily work like that, because they fans know what they're going in for. They're, they they don't go into a... There's no, they don't... Well... They may be used to with things like GameStop, and to a certain extent, I'm sure there are still some people who just go into GameStop and just browse and look for games to buy. Um, and maybe if they see a company that they've purchased other games by and they like, they'll be like more inclined to choose that game. But no one I know does that, at least that I know of. Um, everyone buys games that they know that they're going to want to play, and they know they they have they they have a strong possibility of liking, and that's especially true for me. I only buy games that I hundred percent know that is I'm probably going to enjoy playing um, for for quite a while too. Um, 
But with these video game companies, man, this is this is going on a long tangent. <laughs> um, it doesn't necessarily work like a say a grocery store, like I like that analogy I used earlier, coming in and picking up other stuff off the shelves. If something's not making them money, they they have to ax that, um, because. Um, just because the the fans of that certain title or IP are aren't fans of the company, they're ti they're fans of the IP, and um, so I think that's maybe why we see a little bit more ruthlessness from from ga video game companies like EA when it comes to axing game studios and things like that. I can't say that blame lands anywhere. Uh, or a single, there's not a single person to blame. I, th I think, like Chris said earlier, the blame falls on all parties. Um, and but ultimately, you know, it's up to the company to make games that we enjoy. And their sole responsibility, or their sole reason for being a company, is to make money. So they have to make games that we enjoy while also making money. And they just have to figure out that formula. And that's 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 pretty much my thoughts on that. That's a pretty salient yep. point. I I actually like that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and and I guess that kind of brings us around to our next point, right? With Activision. And with um more more along the lines of the single player game stuff. Oh. Right. Unless that whole thing was about single player games. But so okay, so uh, no, I I guess I, I see where that's coming in because you if if ultimately the games industry decides there's no more money or no to be made in, in to be made in single games. player games or maybe I mean it it's funny because at some point you grow so big that that basically. If we're not making money, that obviously shows that people aren't interested, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, so, but ultimately, if there is no either money or interest or whatever it is to be made in single-player games, you know, will single-player games be "quote unquote" dead at some point? And that's that's basically what our third article ends up being about. Um, right. Ultimately, so. This article comes from GameSpot. I thought it was just interesting to add, just because um, we got uh, the 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 uh, head of the of the Xbox division of Microsoft, uh, Miss Shannon Loftus, uh, giving her two cents on the whole thing. And of course, she's of the opinion that the whole thing isn't dead necessarily. There won't be there won't be a time where single player story driven games will be gone completely but uh she she it's interesting because she does see the the way that we play single player games uh now will either be changed or will have shrunk to such a degree that uh it's it it, it becomes more rare to have a single player game rather than a more social game I think to me that opens up a lot of different outlets because I, th I think there are some very interesting things that can be done creatively 
with just small social interactions. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a large multiplayer game for for you to have multiplayer aspects to it. I I'm thinking of Dark Souls right now, especially where it's like it's a single player game, but a huge aspect of it is being able to invade, you know, your your another player's game or to help someone out. Things like very creative things like that. Right. Yeah. Um I think taking something like that might be very interesting in the future. Um, it, Is that also similar to like Journey, how it's yeah. like mainly a single player game, but then you meet other people? Yeah. And then ultimately, of course, there there are the counterpoints to this. Like there there are fantastic counterpoints. Um, the article gives Fallout Four and Horizon Zero Dawn as two examples of huge. Triple uh, A blockbuster single player games that have massively uh, have have made massive profit margins for their respective companies. So, isn't the Uncharted series single player? Yes, it is. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a good example. It's too. it's primarily single player. I believe there are multiplayer version the multiplayer modes to it, but I don't think most people touch mm-hmm. those. The Last of Us. Don't forget uh, about the the Matrix. Yeah. The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Like two thousand three game. <laughs> oh oh, the Matrix Online. Right. Yeah, like yeah. the <laughs> fantastic, fantastic series. Yeah, Last of Us. Was Last great, of Us. Though, Last of Us. Yeah. Everybody praises its uh, story, but it did also have a fairly good uh, multiplayer to it too that no one yes yeah really? it did see like that's the thing like it damn had, a lot of people it had multiplayer a lot what? of people like yeah no exactly yeah a lot of people said the multiplayer was actually very underrated mm-hmm. in that game well the so. thing is i only ever watched like a playthrough of that game so i i never actually played it myself right. so i guess it makes a little more sense why i wouldn't know there's a multiplayer but that's still very surprising i did not know that mm-hmm. <laughs> There's also this interesting thing about, um, like, marketing and retail, the the cuts that retail uh, chains get when it comes to especially single-player games. Now, now that we're talking about all this kind of stuff, GameSpot right. takes something like 60% of a sale of a game for themselves, and that's part of, that's part of their deal, like... We're, we're we'll hold this game like in our store for you but this is this is how this is going to happen which is which is very strange i was also i was always under the assumption that uh because i have no clue how retail works whatsoever um i was always under the assumption that the retailer purchased the item from uh like in bulk from wherever it was coming from and then was obliged to sell it at a profit for themselves apparently that's not quite how it's working with games like retail games especially GameStop I feel like most places work like that but there's probably a lot of partnerships that Mm, happen especially with a company like GameStop where the companies probably have an agreement between them you know um, but I do feel like that way because I honestly thought that's how it worked too. And from the examples I've seen in, in real life situations, that is how it works. But, um, I think that definitely w- when you're dealing with larger companies, 
dealing when you're dealing with multiple large companies and entities dealing with each other, they're going to be more obliged to create a partnership, especially if it's an ongoing relationship, mm. and kind of uh, do it that way. I don't, I don't know. This is honestly just yeah, speculation yeah. right now. Speculation's awesome. Um, we don't speculate enough on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> um. As far as, like, single-player games being dead, like, I think in the traditional sense, single-player games are dead. Um, you know, in, in the traditional, like, the old, old-type single-player games. I, I don't think we're going to have... I we, we probably will have some, but it's going to be very rare that we have a sole... A, just completely, just only single-player game going forward. Short, probably short of, like, an independently... Like an indie... An indie yeah, game. right, right. Right, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. would anything from a triple A AAA title is is probably uh-huh. going to have some sort of multiplayer or at least some sort of microtransactions. I mean, we've been playing Destiny a lot, and De- Destiny, I love Destiny too. <laughs> Great Destiny too. We've pl- we've been playing Destiny a lot, and one of the cooler aspects of that is being able to like play the single player. To me, at least, is to play the single player campaign and then see like people in the same area as you just doing whatever right like they're doing. And I, I think, I think yeah. that's that's a, a divergence from the expectation of a like standard single player game that I, I actually do really enjoy. I, I would be cool to see yeah. more things like that. And going back to that Destiny real quick, I think instead of calling it an MMO, I think a much better kind of phrase would be like an instanced multiplayer first person shooter. Um, I think would be a much better way to describe it than an MMO. Because it's not an MMO. Sell that right now. Anyway. Instanced yeah. multiplayer first yeah, person copyright shit. that phrase right now and <laughs> sell it. Well, I kind of copied that from WoW, oh, so... <laughs> yeah. So now we have to pay Blizzard is basically what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I mean, I'm partnered with oh. Blizzard, so it's kind of a weird right, thing, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have thoughts on that, Zach, on the death of the single-player game? Um, I think I think saying death of the single-player game is pretty hyperbolic, to be honest. Um, but as far as AAA, probably not as often will we see a nice, solid AAA single-player experience, purely single-player experience. But I'm in agreement that probably indies are probably going to pick it up. So it's not going to be dead-dead, but it's like dead to like the... <laughs> The big players, I guess, if that makes mm. sense. But yeah, that's those are my thoughts on that. And then looking into the future, the indies are going to be the new big, big shots, and then there's going to be <laughs> it's another, a cycle, yeah, man. another surge of indie games like there is now. And oh man, yeah. crazy! And then EA will become a tiny, tiny indie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's bringing it back. Imagine, imagine like thirty years from now. Yacht Club Games, the makers of like Shovel Knight, are like Activision size, and and everyone's like, "Curse you, Yacht Club Games!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it, YCG! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'll be the day. I hate you, concerned ape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh man, does that wrap out wrap up that uh, single player games discussion? So. We can move on to the next. So. so I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, Activision has this uh, made this patent for this matchmaking scheme that's all about selling microtransactions. 
Um, Chris, uh, you seem pretty well versed in this. So it seems uh, so weird. Yeah, um, there was a patent that was uncovered, or maybe was it was it uncovered or was it finally granted? It was finally okay. granted. Okay. It took two years. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Um, yeah. That, that basically, uh, so so the way this would work, ideally, is that uh, what would happen is when you entered into a multiplayer uh, match of some sort, what the 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 system would uh, would analyze you your profile um, and see that okay you like playing uh with snipers say all right so we're gonna put you into a match where uh another player has an improved sniper over you it may or may not be on your team but another player has a better sniper than you that they got possibly through uh microtransactions and because when when you see this other player performing better than you uh, you are going to be incentivized to, in turn, uh, purchase some microtransactions in the hopes that you are getting this better, you know, equipment. Um, obviously, the concern is about matchmaking and about enjoyment of the game and stuff like that. It seems, and obviously, the other concern is about schemes to make you buy more microtransactions so it, it it seems pretty scummy all around but what should be noted is that it's a it's just a patent at this point uh it's not been not been uh, supposedly not been uh put into any any actual games yet yeah so yeah and this is just Activision getting that patent, but I'm sure that every company has already been thinking about this and in, in other ways. What's too. funny is that I was thinking of something very similar to this not too long ago, <laughs> like like oh, just yeah. like just before I heard about <laughs> about this piece of news, I was like, oh man, what if I were doing this and like blah 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 blah. And like, it was it's some, it actually something very similar to this. Man. I have like, to say, though, from a software development standpoint, that trying to add... Matchmaking is already a very complex problem. Adding this adds a whole nother layer of complexity <laughs> to it. So they must really be deeply invested in this if they're actually willing to do this, is what I'm saying. I mean, because this would be very, very hard to add on to on top of this. Uh, money, money, money! Happening. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. In, in, money, money, <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> in actually implementing this, imagine how much money they could have put to like visceral making a good game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the different yeah, companies completely, but you know, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. That's so odd. I thought it was. I thought it was funny that when this came out, everyone thought Destiny 2 had this in it, and Activision had to make a statement saying, like, no, we have not made any games with this technology yet. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did say yet, yet specifically. They did specify that. Um, How would we end up uncovering whether this is in a game or not at whatever point they decide to You would need to essentially reverse engineer the We need the API, algorithm. right? You need to reverse engineer it, which is not really possible on a right. console game 
and really only possible on a PC game, but only if you like know what you're doing and just uh, like digging around or have some sort of debugger loaded next to your uh, game. You I'm can sure do it, but it's really cool. I'm sure a lot of people check new games like that. Yeah, that's. I actually saw this YouTube video of some guy actually was playing Guitar Hero 3 on the PC, and there's this 10-year-old bug in the game that never got fixed, and so he, <laughs> he opened up a debugger, and while the game was running, he would, just went in the code and fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll send you guys the link. It's actually a really cool... Uh, <laughs> really cool dive into computer science with video games so i'll i'll send you the link for that later um yeah if anything this this just this revelation the the because obviously they were granted the patent which means it it gets unveiled to to the public um which is why it came out um because i'm sure otherwise they would have tried to keep this very close to their chest um it just kind of boosts my, I don't know, my cynicism towards big companies, and and how they're they they'll kind of just do anything to just hemorrhage as much money out of you as possible through any means necessary. And I don't know. It reminds me. It reminds me of Persona Five. There's this dungeon where this guy only sees people as like things to make money from. So they represent the people as like walking ATMs with arms and legs. <laughs> I feel like that's that's probably what we look like to Activision at least. Yeah. At the very least, this specific technology right now can only come from an Activision game. So I would expect the next Call of Duty maybe to have a matchmaking system very similar. Do you expect? To this. Well, those things those things surprised. come out every year. Do you expect that to actually be done by? I imagine maybe... it'll be a couple more years. Yeah, maybe two years. Well, I, I suppose they have been working on it this whole time, like while it's while they're waiting for the confirmation of the patent. Uh, so yeah, that's true. Like, they've been waiting for two yeah. years. Even though it's complex to develop, it's not complex to like turn it on and right. off within the game files. Yeah, so maybe they, uh, yeah, they probably maybe, were possibly within the next. Call it's, of Duty. Quite possible. Yeah. it's quite possible. It's quite possibly done. Oh. I'm going to get that next Call of Duty game. I want to be incentivized to get that sniper. I want to I be socially engineered to get yeah. a sniper rifle. Oh, that sounds awesome. Oh, man. Man. I haven't played Call of Duty. In so I heard long. World War II is actually pretty good. Oh. Yeah. I heard it's decent. Open loot boxes on the beach. I haven't played or... since Modern Warfare 2. I haven't played since then. I I haven't played since uh, Black Ops 2, I think. Mm. Black Ops... I always... Uh, side note. I always felt like the Treyarch Call of Duty games had like an attention to detail and more experimentation than Infinity Ward's Call of Duty games were. They had a... Like, for multiplayer, for Black Ops, they had this idea where it's like, how about instead of grinding for the attachments that you want, how about you just can buy them? Like, with a in-game currency that you win every single match. And so, like, you can pay, like, ten of these currencies to get a site that you want instead of having to grind for it, usually. I actually really like that because I hated grinding. But, oh, well, that cuts replay time and and yeah. other skins that you can get for it. So that, they stop. That hurts that. profits. That hurts the bottom mm. line. Yeah. So. Uh, I, think, I think that's about all that pertains to that specific topic, I guess. Um. 
uh, there's a lightning round topic here that uh, isn't mentioned in the agenda, but I for- think it should be mentioned. Uh, while we're talking about dead things, uh, the Connect also is oh, dead. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yes, of course. Oh, of look course. At that. Look at that dead that's thing true. over there. Thank here's God. The, here's the thing. The ga- as a game peripheral, it sucked, but as like a dev play thing, that uh, that actually was a really cool thing. I've seen people make like mapping stuff with the Kinect. Like they'll put it in the car or right, on I, the HUD of a car. It's a really good like, like piece of technology. It's just not great for gaming. The, the yeah. From what I understand, it's been used in a lot of different things. Like. Even on apparently it's in use on the don't don't quote me on this apparently it's on you in use on the uh, north and South Korean border. That's mm. pretty cool. To uh, yeah, to track movement. But is it is it used by those like automated sentry kill robots used by South Korea? Yeah, I think so. Maybe that that's pretty funny. <laughs> Possibly. Microsoft. Don't is... again. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> That would be funny because that would mean like Xbox is part of the military industrial complex. <laughs> uh, well, Xbox, Microsoft, I, I wouldn't. I'm pretty sure Microsoft is part of the military industrial complex. Yeah, yeah, Microsoft you heard it here, itself, folks. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm. Don't doubt it. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. A lot of technology came out of Microsoft. Mm. Microsoft. Um, I guess we can wrap this up with um. I guess Chris's most significant uh, BlizzCon news. BlizzCon has recently <laughs> ended. <laughs> yep, that, so, that's it. Everyone can rejoice. BlizzCon now. has ended. Okay, but anyway, uh, WoW, WoW is bringing back, is, is bringing a, finally a heavily requested feature, which is vanilla servers. And yes. um, uh, to, to get a... This is something that everybody well not everybody there's just something that was a really big thing people have always wanted vanilla servers um people like they would start private servers of their own to match vanilla as close as possible and stuff like that um and there was this whole nostalrius thing that happened and everybody was really mad at blizzard for shutting down nostalrius and stuff like that and um ever since they met with Blizzard and stuff. They've been radio silent. And um, uh, maybe they were radio silent because they were helping. Some of, Maybe they got hired by Blizzard to be working on this thing. But basically, uh, they're going to be shutting down their PvP servers, but bringing vanilla servers back. So They're, they're not even shutting down PvP servers. That's a misconception. No. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Y- you redact my statement. Erase <laughs> it from existence. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to get Tyler's thoughts on this because he's our resident uh, WoW guy. Yeah, as I said earlier, I've been I've probably been playing WoW since I was eight, so that would be thirteen years. Um, <laughs> God damn, thirteen years now, fuck. Um, anyway, um, personally, on on the classic servers, right, the vanilla servers. I was never... I, I played a little bit of vanilla, but I mainly got into it during BC, Burning Crusade, the second expansion. Um, and personally, I I think it, everyone is just has the nostalgia effect. And I know that 
a lot of people like Nostalrius, and there there was a a solid player base on it. I, I don't know about active users per month or any of that. Um, but I, th and now I've said this before, and now that they're actually releasing it, we're going to see if, if my predictions come true, but I think they're going to release it. Everyone's going to be super happy. Um, obviously because they've been fucking complaining about it forever. And, um, I think it'll do very well for six months to a year, but I think after that, the, the, retention is just going to drop right off because people only remember the good things really unless there was something really bad people tend when they remember something they enjoy especially that when they played as a child they're only going to really really think about what they had fun doing and, and look back with their nostalgious nostalgious glasses I was trying to combine nostalgious and nostalgia there um <laughs> But, well, we'll see how it does. I, I personally, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm going to try it. Um, and, and personally, I think it's going to burn out within two years. I, I think they'll, I don't think it'll be worth it after two years. I think people are going to realize, oh shit, this is so fucking grindy. Because Vanilla was, whew, took forever to level. If you, like... It, it could take me... I could get to max level in WoW now in like a month or something, but back then, Vanilla... Oh my god. Um, you don't have any kind of guidance or anything. Like, nothing nothing helps you. You're, you're just thrown into this world. And I understand, like, a lot of people probably like that. And that's understandable, but... That's way different from what we have now, and I think uh, just the huge difference and not having Blizzard holding your hand anymore in original and classic WoW is going to turn off a ton of people from, from playing classic. And um, I, I think it'll be fun for a while, but I think ultimately people are going to get very burned out of it. And it's, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with it, because... I don't know if they're planning to just have a classic server in like perpetual patch 1.12. I I like I don't know what patch they're coming out on. I don't know if they're going to be And another question, are they going to be updating it at all? Fixing any of the bugs? Cuz there were a lot of bugs in Vanilla WoW. Are they going to be fixing any of the bugs? Are they going to be fixing any of the horrible leveling experiences? If you started as a night elf, like Holy crap, leveling was terrible. You, you'd go through the first two zones fine, and then you'd come up against monsters in the next zone that were 10, 15 levels higher than you, and you had nothing to do except go back to those other two zones and just kill monsters until you level up. Like, a lot of there, there were a lot of those kinds of problems in vanilla, a lot of pacing and leveling problems. And I think a lot of people tend to forget about that and how awful it was dealing with that because it was really grindy. It was really bad. And you can see that if you just look at the South Park World of Warcraft episode. Like, it was pretty funny how they went into the, the woods to kill bo to kill something like 3,000 boars to level up to max level, but you actually had to do that in vanilla. <laughs> that was part an integral part of leveling in vanilla to catch up with the zones, because the zones moved too fast. All the zones moved too fast. The levels went too fast. You, you, don't, you don't scale with them. And... I think a lot of people forget about that. Um, uh, just it's it's going to be interesting to see if they keep it in classic or whether after 
a couple of years or something, they then come out, they then change it to the next expansion, Burning Crusade, and then another couple of years, then they go to Wrath of the Lich King. I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're probably going to, if I if I had to imagine, they're probably going to gauge how this does. Um, and then once the interest starts declining, I imagine they might bring it to Burning Crusade and just repeat that process through all the expansions. But ultimately, my view is, I think people like it in the short term, I think a lot of the player base is going to fall off after a year. I wonder if this is like a secret ploy to get them to get the new expansion <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and and piggybacking on that, this new expansion, oh man, that cutscene was amazing. That that cinematic was amazing. Oh, so good. Yeah. Battle for Azeroth. New, I'm considering... New wow. You're making me consider uh, canceling my Audible subscription and buying a WoW subscription instead. <laughs> <laughs> there's um <clears throat> a classic wow see i don't know how they're gonna do it either are you gonna need a separate subscri subscription for for classic wow or is it just gonna be a list continue contained in the regular servers like i just there's a lot of questions i feel either they've answered and i haven't seen or they just haven't answered um yeah. and did they give a release date on that yeah, so uh, we'll probably see it, I imagine, sometime next year. Um, probably summer or some spring. Um, but it's it'll be interesting. I'm gonna I'll be following it pretty closely um, just to see if my predictions come true. But I am I am excited for this next uh, this next expansion for WoW. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that at all but anyways we, we we don't have to talk about that i know you guys aren't really interested too, in too much i I, in I just don't play wow like i've never right. played it before so yeah. i so well no uh um, zach sorry zach one uh yes was it gonna was what you were gonna say per, gonna pertain to wow okay I, you go first then because mine doesn't pertain like, to wow What's intriguing to me about World of Warcraft Classic is that, and this only occurred to me while you were talking, Tyler, is that if if they if they were to start roughly at the beginning of of where where WoW started, and then actually continue on through the expansions, right? I would I like I feel I've missed so much of World of Warcraft that starting now would just be like oh my god like what am I doing? And it's it's funny as a new player to like actually start at the beginning of where World of Warcraft began is like very intriguing to me. Like that's right. probably the most that like if, if you were to tell me just that, like you could you could start from the beginning. I like uh huh. Like right. that that's In probably like, like the most incentive for me to actually pick up world of warcraft which is funny because like 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 from everything i understand about world of warcraft both from you and from a couple other people that i've that i've seen play like the quality of life in modern wow is so much better than like old than than old wow oh so, my god you have no so idea it's, it's just it's one of those funny things where i would be like more incentivized to play old wow just because 
I had that old quote-unquote old experience, but I would probably still just enjoy the newest WoW anyway, like more anyway. Like, and yeah. I, I really do appreciate <laughs> that that we get more of a hot take from you because you're you, like you like like I like. I'm so, I'm so happy that we have you talking right now because you're not one of those people who's just super, you know, happy and obsessed with classic World of Warcraft and you would you would prefer oh. things to just right. like like I like yeah. you un- we all understand the the hype that goes, you know, bat, you know, that, that goes with this, but when you oh, think yeah. about yeah. it, I I appreciate that you have that that like more reserved, uh, you know, uh, viewpoint on this whole thing, and it, it does make sense a little bit too because I've I'm not really been into WoW recently. Like, um, I haven't I haven't played in mm, probably six months to a year. Like, you know, actually played. I've hopped on, but um, I mean, I I used to be you know a Blizzard. I mean, I still I I still think you could call me a Blizzard fanboy. Um, but I used to defend them to the death with everything that they did, and I don't know, I think as I've grown older, I've, you know, just become more aware and more perceptive of my own faults and, and what, what these companies like to do, and, and how they can, how even a good company like Blizzard can even fuck things up, so, you know. Blizzard is probably my number one video game company, Mm -hmm. um, since we're just on the topic of video game companies today, um... They're definitely the company I trust the most. Um, I if I'm would ever pre-order a game, it would definitely be through Blizzard. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and it's also interesting because Blizzard, since what '95, I think, has made pretty much exclusively multiplayer yeah, or games. multiplayer-centric games. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which which also connects to our other point about single-player games being dead when it comes to my favorite game company has only really made multiplayer games my entire lifetime. Um, and so I, I find that a little interesting, but I think Blizzard has multiplayer games figured out pretty well, um, and they're probably yeah. one of the earlier companies to have that figured out, especially in the MMO realm. But... That's that's pretty much my thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of segueing away from uh, from WoW, I wanted to see um, ask you actually. Did you take a look at the the trailer uh, for the new Overwatch character that they're adding into the game? Because I know you're a Zenyatta main, and this new healer that they added, I think, actually will really be up your alley uh, since I- you were a Zenyatta main. I think so. I think I did see it. She has that like, she kind of looks. Like, she kind of has the symmetric feel and like the yeah. orb, but the orbs bounce off the walls or something, right? That so, big yeah. purple so, orb. Thing. So just for our audience, um, Overwatch announced their new a new map called Blizzard World, which canonically takes place what? into mice. <laughs> yeah, there's a new map coming to Overwatch called Blizzard World. I did not it canoni- hear about that. <laughs> it, it's a theme park full of Blizzard. Yeah. Blizzard theme. Blizzard, Blizzard uh, exists in this universe because Diva is a StarCraft two player. Diva is a StarCraft two yeah. player. So Blizzard World takes place in Irvine, California, which is where I live actually right now. And um, Blizzard headquarters. 
Blizzard headquarters, yeah. And also, uh, because uh, Blizzard World is a map now, uh, all the most of the Overwatch characters are getting Blizzard game universe skins now. Like, uh, Zarya is getting the Diablo Barbarian skin. Uh, Orisa is getting, like, a... What's a... It's an Undying or what? What? whatever those Protoss mechs are. Um, and um, Widowmaker mechs. is getting the Nova... The Nova from StarCraft skin, that sort of thing. Um, but on top of that, too, they announced a new character. Uh, it's a healer. It's an evil healer uh, named uh, Moira. Definitely up my alley. Moira Bronzebeard. Uh, Going back to uh, WoW. Mo- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what? It's a character so, in WoW. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Moira looks like... Uh, she reminds me so, so much of David Bowie. It's kind of a... It's kind of weird, actually, down to having two different eye colors. Um, but basically, she's a uh, she's like a vampire character. So basically, her passive is like she has uh, this health healing reserve tank. And whenever she uses her left click, it's like spraying healing spray on everybody in front of her. Healing but, juice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Um, so... But the other thing is, uh, since it's limited, she needs to restore that. So that's where her right click comes in. It's a very long range, no aim, or very little aim required uh, uh, sort of attack where you no channel to, you channel on someone, you drain their life, it heals you and refills your healing thingy and stuff like that. And then she has these balls that uh, do basically AoE heals or AoE damage. And then her ultimate's a Kamehameha where it damages enemies and greatly heals allies or something like that. So it's like the duality, like Zenyatta, which is why I asked if you thought her skill set was cool. Because you you're a Zenyatta main because Zen is like, has like one of the highest DPS of all the supports, I think. Right. If you know how to do him well. But um, yeah, let me but see yeah I just wanted to get... Get your thoughts on like not just gameplay but like design or anything. I think I think as far as design, I really enjoy Moira's design just because she looks like a she reminds me of like a high tech sorcerer or something like that. I think is the best way to kind of describe how she looks and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm not able to comment on her too much because I'm pretty sure when I watched that trailer, I was pretty drunk. Um, so I don't remember too much about it. Um, I'll, I'll definitely play her when she comes out. I'll give her a try and, and let you know, though, if I, next time I'm on the old podcast. Next time on the podcast. If, if you'll have me back. And, and by the way, thank you very much for having me on in the first place. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm on the same that earlier. reminds uh, before we start our closing thoughts and stuff like that, that reminds me, Chris, uh, we need to get an eat our words segment uh, for Tyler's statement on the <laughs> the WoW Classic servers. Oh, uh, okay, okay, I'll write that down right now. In two years, yes. <laughs> in two years. You gotta have, you, it's got to be two years, and then I'll come back on and be like, if it's still running and it's it's at a good population, I'll be like, well, you know, I was wrong. Okay, so okay, so I'm gonna write this if. World WoW Classic <laughs> servers, ERVERS. Okay, so I uh, have a poppy. What's a what's a good population? You think? I don't think I could give you a number. I'd say it would just have to be. How many players did Nostalrius have? 
Can you look that up Don't real know. quick, Zach? I, I could. Okay. Uh, checking, checking. How much would you send, roughly, uh, Tyler, how much would you estimate? For Nostalrius? No, for, for World of Warcraft oh, Classic. For... Apparently there is a thousand level 60 characters. Typically had 5,000 to 8,000 players, players live. Okay, so in two... At any one time? Uh, or a month. Well, here's the thing. Now I can't look at it because uh, <laughs> the live population count is offline right. for obvious of reasons. Well, of so I, <laughs> this um, is just on a Reddit post. So, okay. Look, if... if... More than 1,000 players... <laughs> I would know. I would know. I was gonna say around ten thousand, maybe. Ten thousand. How because, many people still play? Well, how many people play WoW when like a new expansion uh, comes out? It usually peaks around ten mil. Ten million? Yeah, eight <laughs> to ten mil, depending okay. on the expansion. Okay. So, and then official classic servers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was I was originally gonna say five hundred thousand, but I'm like, eh, I'll be a little lenient. Wow. Yeah, peak for new expansion is usually around eight, seven to ten million, and then peak of all time is twelve. During Wrath, during Wrath of Lich King is between like twelve and fifteen mil. Sometimes I forget how big that game. is. Yeah, no, oh. that that those numbers <laughs> just like impress, <laughs> impress me. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, so. So how much would you estimate for is a good amount for WoW Classic servers? 10,000. 10,000? Okay, in 2 years. It it depends. The thing is, it depends on whether it you have to buy it separately or whether it's just another server on the server list in in regular WoW. Well, I'm writing all this down now, so you're going to have to make your bet right now. <laughs> <sighs> God. This will probably be the longest bet ever, too. It, we'd have to keep the podcast going for two years <laughs> at this point to make sure that this... Well, we have something to look forward to, then. <laughs> we have, we have 20, a goal. <laughs> 20, 2020, the year we figure out if Tyler if wins his bet. Oh, God, this would be around the election, too. Oh, no. also, I'll be on the political podcast episode. <laughs> and then also we'll be seeing if Eminem finally wins the presidency. Oh, Mom, it'll be 2020. Eminem versus Kanye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jesus, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say 10,000. 10,000? Okay, so if World of Warcraft Classic servers have, have 10,000 servers <laughs> two years from now. <laughs> People. Ten thousand players. Ten thousand servers. Wow, I said ten thousand servers. <laughs> players. <laughs> two years from now. That might be high balling it. It might be low balling it. I don't. Time. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just made it up on the yeah, spot. Yeah, sure. Fly. No, no problem. <laughs> and uh, if we're still running the podcast at that point, uh, we should probably give an estimate for actually how many players are are on the. Can I make a guess or a, or a prediction where sure. this next WoW expansion will peak at? Okay, sure. I'll give it a good 8.7 mil. Okay, so that's... No, no, 9.2, 9.2, As Battle of Azeroth will have 9... Four. What? Battle 4 Azeroth. Battle 4 Azeroth, thank you. 
I, I saw an article that called it Battle of Azeroth. I'm like, you fucking and you bitches. Went, and you went, <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So is that four mil? 9.2 mil. We'll peak it. 9.2 mil. Yeah. All right, both of those both of those bets are in the official Recorded. in the official notepad <laughs> document. Thank God. Chris, do you have any new bets you want to place around? No, not 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 at the moment. Not at the moment. I don't have anything I, contentious to uh, to bet on. <laughs> EA will kill two more companies by then. EA, two more studios. <laughs> oh, oh no! EA and then will extra kill points dice. for who they are. Yeah, exactly. EA, EA will kill dice in oh, wow. one year. Wow, <laughs> that's a. Those, battlef- those battlefield games aren't making enough money anymore. No, that's that's what's making all of their money, man. <laughs> like, they don't make anything else besides that and like sports games. Yeah. I feel FIFA. Yeah. yeah. I will. I will make a bet though. This is the year that okay. um, games will finally put pay-to-win microtransactions and core titles like Battlefield and stuff like that. When you say this is the year, you mean 2018? 20 yeah 2017 2018 between these two years is the year where it actually happens yeah okay okay Bound to happen 2017 2018 uh is the year that uh core core games yeah triple a games triple a titles will have true true pay to win yeah, true pay to win microtransactions. microtransactions. Yeah. I feel like that's a very safe bet. Okay. We have we have some long standing uh, bets here. <laughs> <laughs> so we got because of that we got to keep the podcast going. I'm also going to bet that um, by Jesus. the end of the year, by the end of next year, we'll have at least forty people listening to our podcast. End of ooh, ooh, nice. end of 2018, we'll have. At least I imagine. 40. Five thousand. Wow. Okay. Do you want me to record that officially? Or? Record it. Okay. Record it. <laughs> so. Okay. Real talk. Um, I'm thinking of starting a fan Discord server. <laughs> just, just, just as why? Maybe, maybe for the next podcast episode, we can make a fan Discord server and just see what the reception is. I just want to see what happens, really. Okay. And see, like. If people actually join in on this fan Discord server. So, this is not a bet. This is something I'm probably going to do within the next week or two or something like that. Um, but uh, if you're listening, just follow our Twitter accounts and uh, join our po- join our official Discord server. Because Discord is garbage. Discord is garbage. Don't, don't follow my Twitter. Subscribe to me on YouTube. <laughs> Subscribe to me on YouTube. All right, um, I think that wraps up the show. We got some nice bets. We got some uh, crazy bets. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, um, Tyler, uh, give everybody a, a shout on where they should follow you at and also do another plug for your Skyrim guide. Well, if you want to see Mr. Opelopo on YouTube, you can find him at Mr. Opelopo, M-R-O-P-E-L-E-P-O. <laughs> He has a fantastic, he's a fantastic guide on how to upgrade your armor and items in Skyrim. 
it's still good for all the remastered editions and all the 17 different types of Skyrim they put out since the original release. It, it still works, and I can guarantee you that if you look it up, you will know how to upgrade your armors and items in Skyrim. Now, also watch his movie reviews, too. They're yeah, pretty good. You can, you can watch all that stuff on YouTube, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on, guys. You're welcome. Thank you for being on. And um, Chris, where can they reach you? Uh, so they can reach me uh, on my blog, Retro Fito Leon. That's the word retro, F-I-T-O-L-E-O-N dot WordPress dot com. And uh, I'm a bit more active on Twitter these days. So you can also follow me at Retro Fito Leon on Twitter. And uh, you can follow me at the Zaxinator. Um for this week, uh, tweet me a high roller meme, a high roller gambling meme because of all the bets that we did, and I will tweet you a meme of uh, me being homeless <laughs> because I'm gonna lose all my money <laughs> or or homelessness as a. That's not funny. Oh my god! When you said high roller, I thought you meant D and D at first. <laughs> no, no, I meant like high rolling at the uh, at the casino. That's what I meant. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for tuning in this week on the Turbo Button Podcast. Uh, we will see you on the next episode. Peace out. Bye. So when we start in the D&D podcast... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>